0: This is Living Truth podcast, where our purpose is to help you understand the Bible better, live its truth more completely, and experience your relationship with Jesus more deeply. I'm Tom Hine, and I'm your host and resource person in partnership with various guests who engage with us in dynamic conversation and stories from their own lives. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Living Truth Podcast. We're glad you're with us today. We continue our series on other religions and today we're going to be talking about Jehovah Witnesses. Last time, as you remember, we talked about the Mormons and so we continue today and I have Josh Davis with me. Josh, say hi. Hello. And the reason why I asked Josh to come is because I think it was maybe two or three years ago, we mm-hmm. started having some conversations on this topic and I thought, well, maybe we can reproduce some of the conversation. Now, not quite the same because we're sitting in your nice house in the kitchen table. And here we are over at my office uh, next to the family dollar store. If you've been down here, I mean, it, yeah. it works for us, but anyway, it's, uh, we're going to do what we can to enter in and talk about some of the same topics. And tell us a little bit about about yourself, Josh, and who you are and some how your connection with the New Hope Church.
1: Well, my name's Josh, and I moved to Adel about, I don't know, 10 years ago, but then we moved away from Adel out into the country about three years ago. But we've gone to New Hope since we came to town and Like I said, I got to know you and we had some interesting conversations about Jehovah's Witnesses and dinosaurs and aliens and every other weird thing I can come up with. I'll try to keep it on topic. Exactly. (laughs) We can't go in all those
0: directions today.
1: (laughs) It's only so many years worth of history we can talk about right now and dinosaurs go way back.
0: So I can't remember uh, some of the things we talked about or I thought today maybe I'd just share a little bit of my own personal history with Jehovah's Witnesses. The first time I was really introduced to that terminology was back when I was in high school, and I had a Mm. classmate, and he and his family left the church that Mm. I was attending, and my family was attending, and they went over to this new church, Jehovah Witness Church. And, you know, it's a small town, and this just seemed very odd, Um, and I really felt, bad for him in one way because he was isolated and yeah. their family just people didn't interact with them in the same way that they used to and so over in my hometown Al-Qaeda is a Jehovah's Witness building that's still there mm-hmm. and I assume this young man well he'd be my age now but I'm assuming they still go there I'm not sure so that was my first encounter but then when I was an associate pastor out in Akron Ohio We had a couple that came to worship one Sunday, and back in those days, what we'd do is I'd go out and I'd visit people if we got their name and information, and so I showed up at their house, Bob and Cindy are their names, and they were a little reluctant to let me in, but after we got talking, she had left the service rather quickly because she had a headache because I was talking about the Trinity, and Uh she was from a Jehovah Witness (laughs) background. Mm-hmm. She and her husband thought they should find a place to worship together. He was not from Jehovah Witness background. And when I started talking about Trinity, it just set off all sorts of fireworks in her mind.
1: But, I'm surprised she even showed up. Uh, oh, honestly. exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but eventually she actually came to know the Lord as Savior ah. and worked some of those things through. And so it is possible for people to leave various belief positions and Enter into reality of true Christianity. Right. So, if um, we can remember, how was it that we got on the topic talking about um, Jehovah's Witnesses?
1: Well, I have some pretty close friends that are Jehovah's Witnesses, and I, you know, I have lots of conversations with them because we're all in the music business together, and and we uh, sit in studios and just talk. And he's he's a very religious guy, and so is the other fella and so we just we just started talking about it, you know, and he'd ask me questions too. And initially I was in sort of a dark place in my life and I knew he was a Jehovah's Witness and his advice to me was to go to church. And uh he doesn't he wasn't trying to even invite not, me to his church. Their church. You know, and he was just, you know, saying time to go get right with God and and from that point on we had lots and lots of really good conversations about God and the Bible and Jesus and, you know, all of the above. And at first we kind of, you know, we dance around most of the finer points and it felt like we were on the same page about things. And there's a lot of things that I feel like we still are on the same page about, but then it's it's kind of when I really look closely at some of the conversations and I've read, you know, the translations of verses in their Bible versus ours and, and then it started making me ask a lot of questions, but it's, I don't know, it's its hard to debate or have a conversation with those guys because they really, they really know their stuff.
0: Yeah, I think what I really appreciate, Josh, <laughs> is that you've encountered your friend as a real person. Like I said, I think our tendency is to distance people when they're from a different religion than right. we are, and we think, oh, I could never interact with that person in a real way. So I really appreciate that you've done that.
1: Yeah, I mean growing up too, like you said, I I had friends that were in elementary school that were Jehovah's Witnesses and I always remember they weren't able to participate in the holiday events and he, he the kid would have to go out into the hallway, you know, and uh that's what his parents had requested, he'd go go to the library or something like that and he wasn't involved. And you know, when I was a little kid, I just kind of thought that was too bad and how could you not? Yeah you know, participate. In it, that's what most people Christmas latch on to. Whatever. And they <laughs> think, oh man, why yeah. wouldn't
0: they do that? Yeah. But you know, in some ways their principle behind that, I i don't know that the application is quite, quite where I'm at, but the principle behind it is just to not celebrate those things in a way that's ungodly or unspiritual right. and they just take it to an extreme.
1: Yeah. And he, and you know, his, you know skipping ahead to more recent conversations uh my friends you know he says well you know my my kids they aren't excited about presents and things on birthdays because you know when something comes up we surprise them with they don't even you know they don't even miss those things cuz they never really grew up with them but as a kid you know i'd see that from the outside looking in and and also it was sort of you know that you know Jehovah's witnesses would knock on your door and you'd pretend like you weren't home or something right. because you didn't want to have to have that conversation or I remember my dad inviting them in, though, and having conversations with them and uh, with our pastor in Boone at the time, and uh, and they were all friendly, everything, you know, I don't don't know wherever it went, because I didn't hang around, I just remember they were doing it, but it was always sort of this, well, we don't agree with what they believe thing, and I kind of just left it at that, until, you know, I got to know these guys later in life, and I had... Real questions and wanted to wanted to understand them and yeah a lot just, of people don't yeah.
0: feel confident to enter into those kinds of discussions or if you're a new Christian a young Christian then you probably shouldn't right. enter into those conversations without somebody more mature who knows their Bible with you so just just to be aware that Scripture would warn us to be yeah. careful when we yeah, have those conversations
1: lots of real big con- or I don't want to say contradictions. Lots of big differences. Contradictions well, is okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's lots of big differences yeah, so in, and contradictions I'm, within, yeah. and also, but there's also really subtle things too. And that's, I think that's the sneaky stuff that, that, right, tends to make people feel like they're at home when, when they're like maybe getting off track.
0: Yeah. So, contradictions. I think I'll start with those, the the big ones. And the first one is that they call themselves Jehovah witnesses, but Jehovah is not the name of God in the Old Testament. Right. Uh it picks out the consonants uh, when using that particular name, mm-hmm. uh, but probably most scholars believe that the Old Testament name of God is Yahweh. Right. And yet they call themselves Jehovah Witnesses. And in fact, the Jewish people won't even pronounce that right. name of God. When they come across it in the Bible, they'll use the word for Lord, which mm-hmm. is Adonai, Hebrew Adonai. And so yeah. even to begin with, the very name of the group is off track because they're just taking this made-up name
1: right, and utilizing And saying it. that's his personal name. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, they really could have used any name if they wanted to in that. And, you know, the argument that I've been given for that is that, you know, calling God Lord is a title and not as personal as me calling you Tom or something, you know, and calling, calling your friend by his name is different than calling somebody Sir, and God's our friend, and therefore we call him by his name, even though at the base of it all, it's technically not his name. It's not. And in
0: <laughs> fact, uh, remember Joseph was told about Jesus. He said, you will name him Jesus um, because he saves. And the name Jesus means Yahweh saves, God saves. Right. And so that's the personal name of Jesus. Right. And like I say, just it's a little bit confusing and contradictory. Exactly. Another contradiction, I will go with that word again, Uh, another contradiction is their translation. And really, this is a really important point. They have what they call the New World Translation. Mm -hmm. And here's what uh, one of the world's authorities on Bible translations, Dr. Bruce Metzger, has said that it is erroneous and reprehensible. And what he means by that is that There are not Hebrew and Greek scholars involved in their translation. There were five people, including the original guy who started Mm -hmm. the Jehovah Witnesses, Dr. Charles Taze Russell. And he was the only one that could even recognize Hebrew and Greek letters. And when he took a test um, to translate Hebrew, he he wasn't even able to translate it. And so they have this translation committee. They won't tell you who's on it. Um, they say it's to keep them humble, but it's really because basically they're coming to their own conclusions without going back in. to the primary source <laughs> and really having a reputable kind of academic scholarship behind it.
1: They call I mean I was reading a little bit today and I know that they they called like the Old Testament the Hebrew Scriptures and the and the New Testament the Greek scriptures, but some of the the contradictions that I that I can't even really wrap my mind around or try to explain whenever I talk about it is I've been told that they don't really adhere to much in the New Testament really at all, but then they refer to it all the time and I mean in their, like in the conversations, my friends will quote Bible verses you know, but
0: Well, to, their translation yeah, of exactly. those verses and the New World Translation differences
1: and, I mean, changing the word grace to an undeserved kindness which Basically means the same thing anyway. It just adds a few extra words to it.
0: So I found another authority. Um, Lori McGregor is her name. And she uh, talks about how she was formerly a Jehovah Witness for 15 years. And um, she says that my first encounter with Jehovah Witnesses, they put a twist on John 14:28 the Father is greater than I, and told me the Trinity was a doctrine of Satan. Right. That Jesus was inferior to the Father, and he was also the archangel Michael Right, at the same time.
1: I didn't know the thing about Michael, but I, I, I did know that they consider Jesus to be inferior to God, a creation of God, Son of God. In fact, I think they even say he's Jesus, uh, Jesus is his first creation, but I, I don't quite understand that. He's higher than the angels, but he's not God. He's not eternal because he had a beginning, basically. God created him. According yeah, and, to that. and they
0: take, and there's a, scripture, mis, a scriptural misunderstanding that they take. There are phrases sometimes you run across in the Bible where it says Jesus is the firstborn. And that wording means he is the authority. Right. He is uh, first in sovereignty and authority over all things. And in the English translation, it doesn't come through. And so they say, well, look, he was the first one born. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the places where they get it mixed up. Another place is when numerous times it says in Scripture, Christ in you. You run into that phrasing all over Scripture. Well, they change the text to read in union with you. And things like that, because to say Christ in you is to admit that's the power of God right. working within us, Holy Spirit
1: or whatever, and, they, yeah, exactly. and that's like to them not actually a spirit, but more like a f- force that God uses to do His whatever, and and it's not the same as what we believe is right. the Holy Spirit being.
0: Yep. Another key uh, passage is John one one that you hear quite often, um, Christmas time is one of the times we quote it, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm -hmm. Jesus is referred to as the Word because in John 1.14 it says the Word became flesh and uh, made his dwelling among us. So the way they translate it at the end of it, instead of saying the Word was God, they say the Word was a God with little g. Yep. And so, again, just a misrepresentation because they don't want to say that he's actually God,
1: and the, big G. And they, I mean, the one thing that I always, that always comes up in our conversations when I'm talking to my, my friends is that they don't, they say they don't interpret anything. They just, you know, they take the Bible face value. Here's what it says. Here's what we believe. But all those little things like we are talking about right now seem to me like interpretations or... Well, what
0: what most people don't understand is that we have manuscripts, Old Testament manuscripts which are written in Hebrew and many, many New Testament, thousands of New Testament manuscripts written in Greek. And so someone has to take and translate or interpret Mm -hmm. those manuscripts. And so the problem for the Jehovah Witnesses is they're not they're not doing that interpretation. They're coming with their own mindset and yep. they have their own presupposition on what it should say, and then they just push it into right. the their own Bible and make it say what they want it to say.
1: Or use a portion of it and leave the leave the context out.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Here's another passage, Colossians two nine what it reads in the NIV is for in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. So in Christ, in other words, all the fullness of who God is, he he is there in the flesh, in bodily form. But they translate it because they don't want to say that the fullness of God is dwells in bodily form. They put it because it's in him that all the fullness of the divine quality dwells bodily. So nowhere found in any original Greek text of the New Testament, but they make it fit their own understanding rather than drawing their understanding from what the Bible actually says.
1: Yeah. Just a little twist.
0: So that's a couple of things that are really key as (laughs) far as, Going back to the original text, what are some things that you remember from our conversations, Josh, that were helpful or that particularly stood out to you?
1: Um, I mean, some of the things, I guess, like our belief that you're saved through faith and not through works, whereas they flip it on its head. And even though it says that right in the Bible, they, you know, tend to ignore that part, apparently, because they think that, you know, doing good things is sort of proof that you're... You know, following in the footsteps of Jesus, which isn't really wrong because we all should be doing good things. And then I, I have said to them the I don't remember what passage it is or Bible verse or anything, but about you know a good tree bearing good fruit, and you know a good tree is just going to do those things. Right. And maybe sometimes, not always, you have a good fruit-bearing tree, and it needs to straighten some things out, but. The idea is that it's not like a, you know, you're not doing it just because you want to do the works and check a box off on your way. It's, we're not doing
0: good works out of guilt. Yeah, we're doing it out of the overflow of the spirit of God working gonna happen. within us. Yeah,
1: right. And I don't know. I never get a good get a good answer back when I when I talk about that with them. One of the other things that I remember talking to you about and also to them about was the the vineyard story about the the guy who owns the vineyard and he invites the workers and he says i'm going to pay you all you know one something a silver coin or something like that come do the work and people show up in the morning and they show up in the afternoon and they show up in the evening and he pays them all the same at the end of the day and uh some of the workers are complaining and saying you know that so-and-so only showed up you know at the end of the day so why does he deserve to get paid the same and and the response is that, well, it's you know it's my money to give, so this is what I said was gonna happen. This is what you get and to me, that's an example of God's grace and the fact yes, that you is. could be on your deathbed and screwed your whole life up, but you accepted it at the last second, and maybe that isn't fair, but on the other hand, God didn't say life was fair either, and their response to it was that it's not an example of you know God's grace, it's actually these people saying that they shouldn't be complaining basically like we said you know you show up and you do the work because this is what God's asked and you're going to be given this but they it was like some secondary meaning sort of that you could also take away from it that isn't not true but it, defi- it definitely didn't reflect just God's grace which is what I always assumed that it well, meant that, that story <laughs> that
0: parable totally points to God's <clears throat> grace and in fact, actually, you know, that's a really good insight because sometimes we develop these little moral lessons out of scripture passages when really those passages are given to us to point to Jesus and a response to Jesus. Right. And so it's, it's something that Christians can fall into as well if right. we're not careful about how we come to come to scripture.
1: Right. That's why it's good to have a teacher keeping you in line.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that I know we talked about was what happens after you die. And so Jehovah Witnesses believe in um, soul sleep, that after Mm -hmm. you die, your soul sleeps, everybody will be resurrected. Now, the aim, as I understand it, of Jehovah Witnesses is to be a part of the 144,000, as it talks about in Revelation. And then you have a special part of paradise that comes to you, but yeah. everybody else they get the rest of paradise. Well,
1: and they don't even—I mean, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they don't even believe that it's that you have a soul. It's just you're when you're dead, you're dead, and you're unconscious, and that's it. You're just lights out until the till God creates paradise on earth at which point everybody good bad and otherwise is resurrected bodily on earth and those 144,000 anointed ones ascend to heaven and they rule and govern over earth with Jesus at their head or something like that I'm probably mixing a few things up here but uh and the part that always baffled me was well what's the point then if I could just do whatever I wanted my whole life and not even be a Jehovah's witness and still get resurrected in perfect world at the end of time and also I understand that those anointed 144,000 that's it's not like they're elected or they meet some kind of criteria or they're voted in or whatever it's just a feeling like knowing God has spoken to me and I'm one of those anointed anointed ones and they're the ones who are allowed to participate in communion during the their annual uh what do they call it like the they call it a memorial yeah the memorial of jesus christ or whatever yeah and so they are the only ones that get to participate in communion which i don't understand how they would ever do that because if i was in a family of three or four people like i am and my wife said pretty sure i'm anointed one then i would kind of probably feel like i would want to be that too and I don't know. I mean, I understand people talk about God talking to them all the time or hearing God's voice or, you know, but this is sort of different because I don't remember how long that religion's been around, but we're only talking about 144,000 people. And I imagine at least that many people have had that feeling being in the religion. I don't know if you get bumped out of line or something. Yeah. As time goes by. And, I'm, but, but, I mean, <laughs>
0: and I'm not trying to make fun of it, but yeah, who's well, keeping com- who's keeping just, who's keeping track exactly. of those hundred and forty four thousand? And when do you know?
1: Yeah. And I think something it has something to do with passing a final test uh at the time of judgment or something, and that's how they are finally the anointed ones that are, you know. And you know, they part of the reason is they' They don't believe that our God would want to damn anybody to hell and eternal torment. They believe that that's not in God's character to do something like that. But they also say that when you're resurrected, you'll either be resurrected into this paradise or resurrected into judgment. And so I guess I don't know what judgment means if the fact if if being dead and you don't have a soul just means that you're unconscious and everything's. So I, don't, I guess that's not too harsh of a judgment. Yeah, I mean, hell is a
0: difficult <laughs> doctrine for us as believers as well to understand and to describe and accept, and it has to do with God's holiness, it has to do with separation from God, it mm-hmm. has to do with understanding that we are sinners only saved by grace, that it's, as we've been talking, right. it's by God's goodness, His grace, that He rescues us, and It is a hard one for us to work through, but it is described in Scripture as it is, and so we accept it because it's in Scripture.
1: I think the thing that frustrates me about Jehovah's Witnesses is I feel like everything is so close, and they, by all appearances, I mean, I have, you know, really, really great talks about God and religion and and things, and everything feels like it lines up perfect, and like I said, until you really start digging in, and they don't they don't ever really talk much about those differences. They talk about the things that feel like we're on the same, that make me feel like we're on the same page. And so that part makes me kind of sad because I, these guys are, you know, they're all good friends of mine. And, but I also know it's, they're so, they're such strong believers in their, uh, in, in their religion.
0: Yeah, it's a lot like Mormonism in that way, very much a family kind of thing and right. a social kind of circle that if you were to break from that circle, then you're really on the outside of even your family.
1: Right. That's why I was which, surprised that, that lady... Which said, is what happened to her.
0: Right. Uh, Kathleen and I were mm-hmm. talking about this, just how difficult it was for her. Yep. But yeah. God, God can do things and he can rescue us from all sorts of situations and so... It's important to know a little bit uh, and to be aware of different beliefs because it helps us to understand our own following of Jesus and our own commitment to the scriptures better. And that's part of the purpose of studying other beliefs is to clarify and refine our own beliefs, our own trust in Jesus, and to, in passion, be drawn and amazed by his grace. That isn't because we have to measure up ourselves.
1: But I wanna I wanna be able to have some sort of a effect on my friends like that and so I, I wanna understand what, what they understand so I can come at it from a place of, you know, caring and understanding and not necessarily attacking, which I is is hard for me not to do too, when I get frustrated. Yeah, I think a part of it is
0: to describe the goodness of God and to let that overflow in and through our lives and to really in reality describe how great and how good God is.
1: Right. Well, and I know these guys, I mean they're they're great great people and if and I know that that's what I mean, they're so close that the the kind of influence they would have or the kind of influence they already do have on, you know, their fellow Jehovah's witnesses and, and other people that they talk to, I would love to see that influence, you know, for this team. (laughs) Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, thank you everybody. Thanks for listening in. And if you have other questions, then you can, uh, write me an email, ask Josh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) write Tom an email. (laughs) And, uh, Ask Pastor Ryan, who will uh, be glad to visit more about it. <laughs> and uh, let's keep praying for friends that we know and just uh, see what God does. Thanks for listening in.